Welcome to the Boys in the Iceberg, the podcast where we recap Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode for fans new and old. I'm your host, John Listman, immigration attorney by day, stand-up comic by night, airbender at heart, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm Jeff Miller, TV writer, avid mind wanderer, and aspiring waterbender. How are you, Jeff? I'm melancholy. Melancholy, indeed, yes. Um, very much so. It is uh, with a heavy heart that we come to you this uh, week because it was announced 48 hours ago that uh, mm. Netflix and the show's creators have parted ways in any future uh, Netflix endeavors, specifically the uh, live-action show that was coming. Um, it's, it's certainly uh, unfortunate. Uh, I, I think uh, the whole reason we're here, you and I and all the listeners, is because uh, these creative geniuses built a world that is so uh, complex and thorough and everything thought out. And uh, I really can't help but wonder what was the, uh, the differences that couldn't be uh, reconciled. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really tragic, especially after what happened with the film. You'd think any live action at anything, these guys would, of course, be given full creative control. How could you not? Um, you know, I've read a rumor that says that it was about the ethnicities of the various nations um, in terms of casting. And uh, there was a staunch disagreement there. Um, I don't. I find it hard to believe Netflix would want an all-white cast, but I find it even harder to believe that Mike and Brian, you know, Brike would want an all-white cast. So I'm really confused about it. And it's just really, you know, I, I, I've been going through all the stages. I was, I was going through anger yesterday. You know, we've, we've both been in a little bit of denial until, uh, we discovered it actually apparently happened back in June. They're, they're just now announcing it. That's right. Um, but uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I don't, and I also feel bad that there are other creatives from the original series still on the show, you know, while they definitely had a lot to do with it, it just finds it hard to believe that any result, like they said, that wouldn't be, you know, with their input or, or really have any of their touch to it is, is, a, is, is any kind of version of the show I want to watch. I don't know. Definitely. Um, and again, you know, this is an ongoing story. It's only August 13th today when we're recording this. So uh, these are just rumors and we're not even able to uh, confirm the story mm -hmm. here. Uh, so we will uh, stay on top of it as we go. And well, well, well. We we can't confirm the reasoning. Right. We can confirm. Sure. Oh, that the departure is that happening. It's, that it's, yes, that it's, it is. Uh, and uh, you, you hit it on the head. I was definitely uh, in denial. I I think I messaged you and said it was like a negotiation tactic <laughs> with Netflix or. I, uh, if, um, only. if only, right? Well, uh, the oh. fact that uh, this breakup happened in June is certainly an indicator that it's pretty serious. Uh, I the, the kind of I don't know one of the last things I'm gonna say is the uh, the movie was awful. So like, okay, they already effed it up. Fine, I'm still gonna watch whatever they put out on Netflix. But uh, like, even if it's good, losing the creators like that is really gonna kind of cast a shadow on the whole thing. Um, it, it's funny when you say they uh, already messed it up. I wonder if you're kind of talking about Nickelodeon. Mm. Um, they've their names still on the show as it as it airs on Netflix, obviously. And I'm wondering if their name's still very much going to be a part of the show with this live action reboot. Um, I, I yeah, I don't see how you do this without these guys. And look, we're in a crazy time. Unfortunately, we happen to be in a country that can't get out of its own way in terms of this pandemic. Still, hopefully, that's going to change soon. Um, so there's a lot of stressors out there and that could have had something to do with these negotiations and there's a lot of panic and a lot of changes that have to be made in terms of production. I wonder if part of it 
you know, before I read that rumor, I was thinking maybe they were, you know, I, I could see the guys wanting to maybe delay production to make sure that everything is safe and, and healthy, you know, and, and, and properly done before you start shooting the show. Cause they are just as much as anyone would absolutely want to prioritize the health of their crew over, you know, just finishing a product as fast as possible. And maybe Netflix was in more of a hurry to just get it done and not worry about that and not really worry about the safety protocols. This is all my theory. So yeah. this is, Again, you know, this is August, of course, this is me wondering. Uh, the new um, was released 48 hours ago. Yeah. So uh, we, we can only speculate at this point. And but, uh, whatever may come of that show, this podcast will carry on with its uh, original creative guys right here, yeah. the boys in the iceberg. And we got a doozy of an episode for you today. Book one, episode nine, The Siege of the North, part one. In this episode... The Fire Nation's massive armada prepares to attack the northern water tribe at dawn. The tribe readies its defenses, and Sokka volunteers to be a warrior after Yue explains that she cannot contact him anymore. With Iroh at his side, Zhao leads the invasion, battling water tribe forces for the entire day. Meanwhile, Zuko infiltrates the tribe on his own, seeking to capture Aang. Aang believes venturing into the spirit world and speaking to the moon and ocean spirits might give him the wisdom to defeat the Fire Nation. After Aang's spirit leaves for the spirit world, Zuko manages to kidnap his body. Boy, oh boy, oh. we got a good finale here. Uh, oh yeah. Let's get into it. So uh, in this episode, it starts off okay, all right? After Katara is... Uh, in the middle of a lesson here with Master Baku, she is swiftly defeating her opponent in the sparring match by encasing him in a tall ice formation. Master Baku then tells Katara that she's progressed faster than any of the others and that her hard work and determination have paid off in ways that raw talent alone cannot do. Seeing Aang playing with Momo, Master Baku cynically asks Aang if he wishes to face Katara, since he must have mastered waterbending already if he's playing with house pets. Aang responds that he would not consider himself a master, but has something to show Paku, and proceeds to waterbend himself into a snowman. Uh, this does not impress Master Paku or Katara. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's combining a lot of different elements here. It's, it's great. You know, we still have our lighthearted opening, even though we're on the eve of battle. Mm -hmm. um, we, have, we have playful Aang, but we are also seeing the growth we're seeing the growth of um katara and you know i don't know exactly how much time's supposed to have passed but she's re regardless she's advanced quite quite formidably yes um i mean truly she has advanced um she's stronger than all the pupils i mean it's uh it's it's really in in impressive uh and that's including ang okay mm -hmm. um so let's pause just on this set for a moment and talk about how much time has passed because uh, yeah. it's, it's a bit, uh, this isn't the next day, okay? It's not an overnight success for Katara to be the best waterbender in the Northern tribe that isn't Baku. You know, it's, it's funny. She did come pretty close and, and, and it seemed like even just her raw talent, you know, she was holding her own in that fight. But, you know, we also have to take into account that that fight there was a lot of adrenaline built up into it. And that was a lot of just, yeah. you know, I think in that moment really fighting for her dignity and, and so many things against this, you know, patriarchy um, here, we're seeing her craft has been honed her precision, you know, her expertise, the way that she's carrying herself. It looks like, you know, it's like picking back up with Luke mm -hmm. after he's been, after he's been training with Yoda for a little bit. In a swamp. Yeah. And uh, you know, we did leave off the last episode on a cliffhanger seeing the giant armada, but we also only saw it in the ocean. For all we know, it could have been at the beginning of its journey. So true. there's, you know, we have to take into account how long would it even take them to reach the North? Where are they leaving mm. from? Yes. It seems like they've been kind of nearby Team Avatar, the way that they've been able to cross paths so often, but that's not to say that it would still not take them a while on a boat as opposed to flying on Appa even Absolutely. if they're leaving from the same destination. Absolutely. Um, so there are some uh, missing pieces of information here. Yeah. I uh, like to think it was a week, not two weeks, 
Yeah. Uh, two weeks. Yeah. Northern Water Tribe. I, I, it's a it's a shame we don't get to see the episodes that might have uh, filled the two weeks there. Uh, I'd read those comics. Yes. Dark if you're Horse. Listening, Dark. Yes, exactly. Because uh, man, there there's so much build up to the gang, and certainly there there were some joyful. There was time to play Snowman Ang. Okay, mm-hmm. but it's not on the eve of battle. <laughs> no. Uh, but there's definitely been time enough for him to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> and master it and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, okay. And it's not just that uh, Katara is more talented than Aang. She's the better pupil. Okay. Why, why, oh, why, Aang, are you uh, so hesitant to learn what you've come so far to learn? Put down the games. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, again, I think that they can sense there, there may not be confirmation, but. Sokka's meeting with the elders, or and and we'll, we'll we'll get into it later. But there are things going on with the Fire Nation Navy um, in the northern at the North Pole. So I think that there's a sense in the air that something's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aang always, when things are at their toughest, before that he kind of you can see he just wants to be fun and playful. Yeah. The calm reverts, the it's almost like um, I mean he's, he's, he has to revert to his uh, comfort zone now that he's really being asked to uh, step up yeah meanwhile Sokka is walking on the ledge of an iceberg as Princess Yue walks beside him she asks if there are any palaces in the southern water tribe to which Sokka replies I grew up on a block of ice it's not exactly a cultural hub as Sokka comes down from the ledge, Yue touches his shoulder and laughs at his statement. However, her smile turns to a frown as she explains that what they are doing is wrong because she's engaged to another person. Undeterred, Sokka expresses that they are just friends and that he would like for her to meet another of his friends, Appa. The two climb into Appa's saddle and Sokka directs Appa into the sky with a dramatic yip, yip. Uh, Yue is amazed and wondered, wondering if it is always cold when flying. Uh, she moves closer to Sokka, who softly replies, not when you're with someone. They look into each other's eyes and move toward a kiss. But when they realize what is about to happen, they blush and quickly try to change the subject. Looking around in embarrassment, Sokka notices that the gray snow has begun to fall from the sky and becomes concerned. At the Northern Water Tribe city, the same gray snow begins to fall. While Aang rolls in the snow around Momo, the lemur eats one of the gray particles and coughs it out, attracting Aang's attention. As the snow falls, Water Tribe citizens look on in wonder. Sokka and Yue land on a nearby glacier, and Sokka, examining the snow, tells her he recognizes it as the result of soot from the Fire Nation ships mixing with snow the same as the snow that fell from the sky when the Fire Nation attacked his village. He tells Yue, the Fire Nation has closed in on the North Pole with a massive fleet. Okay. Okay. Massive, massive uh, block of paragraph. Let's uh, get into it and dissect her. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay, so I may have been way off in terms of like these guys have been preparing for the Fire Nation Navy. I do think that happened after this realization, so Mm -hmm. I apologize. Um, I still think that a lot of time has passed um, and there's some ominous feelings in the air, Sorry. but uh, this is intense. Let's start off with Sokka being yes. just smoothest, coolest dude. I mean, okay. Um, we make fun of Sokka a lot. He can be a bit of a klutz. He can uh-huh. be a little bit of a cocky, goofball. arrogant, goofball, dad joke, loving yeah. water tribe man. But uh, okay. He's really matured a lot and it's showing. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I think this is a good indicator of the time passing too, because you could see his comfort level with Yue mm-hmm. has really grown. It's not as awkward, just a few phrases here and there, kicking himself for it. I mean, he's he's carrying on entire conversations and doing activities with her without having to ask her to do activities. And uh, my God, is there yeah. a better move that you can have? And uh, having an oppa to take a girl out on. I mean, uh, oh my, oh my, oh my, you are um, uh, turning me on, Saka. <laughs> yeah, I, 
Oh, that's such a cool moment. I am, I was excited. I was like, that is a once in a lifetime pickup line. Yeah. <laughs> Not even a line, but it's, it's just, you know, pickup moment. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's Avatar's version of the Magic Carpet Ride. Yes. A whole new world. Yes. On Appa's back. And, On uh, Appa's back. What? I, I think Alpha would be more comfortable than a carpet. I'm going to throw that out there. Alpha has a saddle. It's actually meant to be ridden. <laughs> much more comfortable and much safer because you're Fluffier. not on one tiny little rug. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it's also, again, we're seeing Sokka just with all this knowledge. I mean, he's, he's even though he, he doesn't exactly come from a cultural hub, as mm-hmm. he'd like to say, um, he does have a, no, a lot of knowledge, has seen a lot, has lived a lot. A lot of it has happened in the past, you know, few months. But even in this tiny little village, he did experience a lot of drama and a lot of conflict growing up. And he knows about what this soot means. You know, it's, I was seeing it and it looks like this crazy black rain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Snow mixed ah. with ash. It's really it's, uh, it's a sight to see. It's like, yeah. wow, imagine if it's, I mean, that's a just snowing black. I mean, what, what yeah. a crazy, crazy image to uh, to see on a, a magic opera ride. It's really right? uh, that'll that'll kill the spirit right away. Yeah, that that, that takes out any uh, playtime's over for everyone, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, as the, uh, I mean, I, I like that Aang has to see Momo literally choking on ash. To realize, Ooh. oh, I, things are happening. I need, I need to be the avatar again. I mean that that talk about symbolism. Yeah, you know, fun, the fun, you know, symbolic, just kid-like animal Momo having the Fire Nation's invasion cause him to literally choke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's some bad times on their way if if we don't get prepared. Absolutely. Um, one last thing is the uh, the reason Yue can't be with uh, Sokka is oh, the yes. duty that she owes to her father and her tribe. Uh, I mean, what, clearly this is a culture where uh, it's very uh, traditional, conservative. Uh, the old ways are the only ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no room for love when you are the princess of the Northern Water Tribe. You, it's, it's all about your duty to your people. I mean, speaking of Aladdin. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right, there's a mashup in the future, but uh, there for is. now, there is. Uh, we have so much going on in the Northern Water Tribe. Let's uh, oh, yeah. keep this puppy moving. So, uh, all right, meanwhile, uh, Several Fire Nation ships sail through the water, and Admiral Zhao tells General Iroh they are in the process of writing history, as they will be destroying the last of the Water Tribe's civilization. When Iroh warns Zhao that history is not always kind to its subjects, Zhao condescendingly assures him that this will not be like Iroh's legendary failure at Ba Sing Se. Iroh ominously tells Zhao he hopes not for Zhao's sake. Zhao tells Iroh to tell the captain to prepare for their first strike, and Iroh departs. He finds Zuko disguised as a guard in the bowels of the ship and tells him they will be landing soon, inquiring if Zuko had a plan, to which he replies that he is working on something. <laughs> foreshadowing. For sure. Um, man. So, uh, listen, after a hundred years here, uh, I mean, this is a really uh, impressive run. Maybe the strongest in the world. Uh, they are finally able to attack. or Well, still the verge of the attack. Mm-hmm. But uh, the day has come. Uh, you could see Iroh. This is, this, this is definitely seeming to bring back a lot of emotion for him. This is, the, this is clearly the first time he's been in any sort of a major siege of, of any sort or, or battle or invasion um, since bossing say, you know, all we know is that true. he failed and, and things went terribly. Um, and, and, and it's weighing on him here. Uh, yeah. And you could see it on him. Um, yeah. And Jow's, but certainly he's not the, uh, 
the fall guy. This is Zhao's mission. He is uh, he is just on a rampage now. He is beyond uh, discipline and control. He's legit ready to wipe out a civilization. Uh, it's not just about the Avatar. It's just about being the strongest, most imperialistic, militaristic uh fascist he can be right now i mean he's he says he's writing history he's he's eliminating civilization and he's condescending oh, yeah. to uh iroh who fine maybe uh lost is a is a you know subjective term there that he uh -huh. lost and bossing say a, a legendary failure i don't think it's legendary for its failure but uh that will be uh chatted about in due time it's 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 yeah i mean you, you, we are seeing zhao's arrogance again you know he's already uh writing the chapter in the history books um and and the fact that he's already being condescending towards iroh you're right this is for all intents and purposes and for all we know it's zhao's first major battle of any sort mm -hmm. and this is something that hasn't you know the fire nation hasn't been able to accomplish in a hundred years he knows the avatar is there and he's already assuming that it's all going to go exactly according to plan. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. When has it just, it's, it's because if we look at it, um, nothing has gone according to plan for Zhao. And, not yet. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, and yet he continues to climb and climb and climb in the ranks, like despite nothing going well, it's as if mm -hmm. uh, the system is designed for him to succeed. He has the fire nation privilege, so nothing in the world can harm him. But uh, hopefully there are some things in this world yeah. that can harm him. And uh, lastly, we got Zuko, who doesn't have his plan quite yet, but oh, yeah. is working very much on something. Uh, always the case. Always the case, is it not? Uh, back at the Northern Water Tribe, a large drum adorned with Water Tribe insignia is beaten as citizens rush to the main gathering hall. As Sokka and Yue head up the steps, Yue abruptly stops to tell Sokka they cannot see each other because... Being around him makes her too confused as she's engaged, yet likes him as more than a friend. At the gathering hall, Chief Arnook tells the citizens that war is upon them and that it saddens him to know that some of those gathered before him will likely perish during the coming conflict. Calling upon the ocean and moon spirits to be with them as they fight for their existence, the chief asks for volunteers to engage in a dark and dangerous mission. Sokka is first to volunteer, despite Katara's objection, and Yue looks on, fighting back tears in her eyes as the chief paints a mark of commitment on Sokka's forehead. Later, as the two await the first strike from the Fire Nation, Chief Arnook remarks to Aang that the stillness before battle is unbearable. Aang admits he was not with his people when the Fire Nation attacked them and vows to make a difference this time. Uh... Whoa, whoa, whoa. The enemy is here. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's unpack it, though, one step at a time. Um, I think yeah. it's very uh, telling that their uh, battle um, ritual in the Northern Water Tribe, mm -hmm. it is uh, first this kind of, it's not a draft, but a, a call to the uh, of citizens to step forward, followed mm -hmm. by uh, this literal drum of war with the insignia, and the uh, prayers to the spirits of ocean and moon. Uh, we, we, we learn a little more about Northern Water Tribe and just how they're connected to those spirits more than some others. It's very ritualistic and spiritual, yes. Much more than others, yes. Yeah, um, and uh, the chief does not mince words, all right? He says, some of you will die. Uh, this is not a... Uh, it's a fucking kids show. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say that. We're, <laughs> uh, we're, we're in Middle Earth right now. Right, wait, dude. The, 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 you got Chow chatting about genocide. You got, uh, you know. The chief please, warning about. Give us slaughter. your young boys because uh, some of them are going to die mm -hmm. in this. Uh, there's no, uh, there's nothing, dude. Uh, it's intense. It's super intense. And uh, Aang is certainly feeling that intensity. He says, I'm going to make a difference this time. Uh, he feels a sense of responsibility for being absent a hundred years ago. And uh, he, he really needs, to, 
he doesn't need I, I think Aang feels that he needs to make the difference because uh, mm-hmm. he can't help but think what if I had been there what if I had been there oh this is a big this is big for Aang you're right this is all that all that pent up emotion um, about his feelings of guilt for you know as as he deems it abandoning his people that's not necessarily the case or fair to, to say um but he wants to make up for it a big way you're right um yeah. I, I also it, I, I just want to go earlier with with Sokka and Yue when they're rushing to see each other um it was nice to see her admit that she's into Sokka um yeah. but I think that you know, it's funny, I'm noticing how kind of, and, and I might get barraged for this, but, you know, as much as I love Yue and we all love Yue, she's a little one note at times, it seems, with Sokka. Mm. Like, it's always the same, oh, I like you, oh, I can't, oh, I like you, oh, I can't. I mean, we get it. Um, yeah. Again, I guess they were reiterating that. Uh, but I, I, I will say, it, maybe it's intentional to make it that much better when we see the next phase of her character arc mm-hmm. in the near future. Yes. Um, and they just really wanted to lay that groundwork between her and Sokka. And then again, it could just be because Sokka's irresistible. And who He's, wouldn't uh, be that way all the time and, and lose themselves and, and become one note, as I so cruelly described it. Who could, uh, who could say no a to a yip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I take, I take back what I was saying about the one note. Yeah, have a very emotional opera ride, and everything's happening here. And of course, that's what she's focused on. Absolutely, but and uh, as soon as she needs to think about something else, she does. There, uh, I mean, dude, I think people cling to the UA soccer relationship because of uh, just this classic star-crossed lover, Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet, uh, whatever of, uh, you know, Jack and Rose of this water tribe rube, so to speak, uh, and the uh, northern water tribe princess. Uh, but uh, we'll I see mean, what happens with them. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then later on, you know, when he's talking about the moon and ocean spirits, mm. um, I think is great in telling. Um, and learning that the first, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, we don't learn that until later with UA. But just the importance of the moon and ocean, yeah, um, totally makes sense for the water tribe. A hundred percent. And, and uh, uh, oh. I think it's important to uh, remind the audience that these are the spirits <laughs> aren't just like oh, like in made up things. No, they're they're real live things, and uh, mm-hmm. they very much shape these uh, cultures and civilizations. Mm-hmm. And lastly, with Sokka, at least for me, I think. The you know I, I'm looking back on it the commitment um, insignia that the chief paints on Sokka's forehead um, I didn't really pick up on it at the time but that's pretty telling when you think about you know maybe he's this is kind of a hint about what he truly values in him and and should be kind of a clue as to why he later gives Sokka the responsibility he does which we'll find out soon absolutely. Um... So I just want to, quick aside, talk about how badass these Water Tribe uniforms are, because uh, I think we've seen them by now. Uh, mm-hmm. These, like, gray, almost like, uh, like, like, a, like a seal baboon, like, like some hybrid skin, just terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, it's like uh, simultaneously the, uh, the savage or rube uh, that you fear with the uh, intelligence and uh, technology of, uh, you know, a civilized hub, so to speak. Uh, it's, it's really cool, you're right. And, and, and so often, I guess, most people just assume that everything um, in a culture at, that, that lives on a North or South Pole would only revolve around ice and water and frozen things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that Mike and Brian thought to themselves and, and went, no, you know what? These, these are going to be a spiritual people, very attuned. They really thought about, you know, the indigenous um, uh, uh, people who live in, in, in Africa and, and, and elsewhere. Um, they are very tribal. You know, they have, you know, the, the idea of war paint going into battle would make sense mm-hmm. for, this, for this water tribe culture and using that to their advantage. 
Yes, and he, um, and we see it in the uh, the hides that they use for their uh, uniforms. Yeah. Uh, all right. Finally, as the Water Tribe warriors look on, the first fireball is launched, striking the center of the outer wall. The force of its impact throwing many soldiers off their feet as a second fireball lands in the heart of the city and a third approaches. Aang mounts Appa and flies out to face the Fire Nation Navy. Several fireballs are launched by the lead ship, and as Aang approaches, he manages to deflect one fireball into the nearby ice cap. He leaps off Appa onto the deck of a ship and sweeps away those attacking him. After disabling the fireball catapults on the lead ship, an attacking soldier traps him in chains. However, Aang is saved when Appa appears and grabs the attacker, throwing him overboard. As the ship is attacked by approaching waterbenders, waterbenders and immobilized, Aang leaps aboard Appa to head to the next ship and is shocked to see hundreds of Fire Nation ships before him. Well, boy, Aang, it ain't gonna be easy. Uh, I mean, dude, he barely defeats one ship here. Let's talk about this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, go so they on. No, they finally attack. The fireballs are launched. They hit the, the protective wall, the city, and, uh, and they just sense that they're approaching. They're not just approaching. They're here. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking, um, I, I remember when I first watched this, thinking, are they just going to show the pre-battle this episode? And, and I was kind of impressed that they, you know, it's about halfway through and the battle's begun. Yes. Um, it's it's amazing to see how much work it takes to just disable a few ships by Aang. Mm. Um, you know, you have that one badass like level boss who comes out with the crazy yeah. chains and locks him up. Uh, it's all it's always fun to see Appa jump in and, and and come to save the day. But you can see that Aang in that moment, I think he let the adrenaline get the best of him, and and maybe he thought, you know what, if I just care enough and and, and want it bad enough. I could just take them out on my own right here, right now with Appa. Mm -hmm. um, no. And certainly not in the Avatar state, you're not, but, but yeah. I don't think that anybody realized, you know, yes, you saw all that um, falling down from the sky and, and Sokka had a sense, but uh, it's another thing to actually see the size of the Fire Nation fleet. Absolutely. Uh, the, uh, okay, like he's able to deflect one fireball with the, uh, the bow, the staff. Uh, but, uh, just this one ship, uh, I mean, it was tough for him. I, I think it was very clever how he deftly kind of maneuvers and mm -hmm. is able to use like one catapult against the other and different ways of, uh, kind of, uh, air bending. Uh, I, I, I know Teddy used to say that, uh, a lot of Aang and Iroh's philosophies and like influenced by Aikido. So using their weapon against them. And uh, mm -hmm. it is in that airbending style that Aang takes I mean, down this one ship as much as he was able to, at least. I mean, he literally did the equivalent of tying the boat's shoelaces together. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and it, yeah. it, it, it's both playful and pacific, pacific or peaceful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's classic Aang, classic airbending. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, man. Uh, we see just how many waterbenders are also needed to uh, immobilize a ship. That's also a yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. That was a cool piece of information. Yeah, we can see how most most likely exactly how the um, ancient fire navy ship got trapped in the ice at Sokka and Katara's village because it was much. frozen in very much the same way, up you know elevated in ice like that. Yeah. Um, so somehow Ang. Uh, misses the hundreds of ships behind the one ship he's uh on i mean I, no it was very well done like he had to rise yeah, over I a mean, gate he's, of the city and and also i mean you're you're dodging fireballs and fighting people you're not really you know you're probably going to see ships in the past but you're not really seeing it that clearly when you land on the first and that first ship was an advanced ship mm -hmm. um so it's not like you were floating and landing on one with the rest of it just you know 10 sure, yards sure. behind it um, yeah. Meanwhile, Chief Arnook addresses the men who had volunteered for his mission, revealing that they will be infiltrating the Fire Nation fleet disguised as their soldiers. Upon seeing Han present himself in an 85-year-old uniform, Sokka laughs, and after sarcastically mocking the uniform, he points out differences between modern and old uniforms. 
when Arnuk declares that the first objective to be, to be to is to identify the fleet's commanding officer, Sokka notes their target to be Zhao and is immediately told to bring Han, the leader of their mission, up to speed. Chief Arnuk instructs Han to show Sokka respect, commenting that he expects nothing less from his future son-in-law. What? Shocked by the revelation. Shaka insincerely congratulates him. Returning as the ship ceases firing, uh, Aang is exhausted and frustrated. As Katara and Yue run to him, he tells them he was able to take out about a dozen ships, though doubts his ability to help the Water Tribe hold off the Fire Nation attack as he is just one kid against an entire fleet. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Let's, uh, let's take let's, it from the... Let's Yeah, Sokka versus Han here. Um... I, I I know that it was a it was a vocal slip up, but I love the name Shaka, and I think that should be a meme for mm. any time we see Sokka shocked, like a shocked mm. face Sokka. I would totally be down for that, especially mm. in the Cave of Two Lovers episode. Um, no food here, Shaka. <laughs> um, I yeah, it's. You know, it, it's you could tell that this guy already. You know, Han is definitely the guy that you walk into a room and you go, "Oh, I am not going to get along with this person." <laughs> and to not only find out that he's going to be working with this guy and he's going to be led by this guy, but that this guy is also the freaking fiance of the woman he's falling he's falling head over heels heels for. Yeah. Ugh. It's like, I don't even know what's worse for Sokka, this or the fact that there's a Fire Nation <laughs> a Navy fleet on its way. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to say UA. I don't know. The Fire Nation affects everyone. The, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the marriage affects, uh, well, I guess it affects everyone too. But, uh, yeah. all right. I, I, but also the, uh, the entitlement from Han. Like, like he's very much uh, done nothing to get this position of power. And, mm-hmm. uh, He's bragging about, you know, this intel on Zhao and a uniform that's like a hundred years old. Like, like, really, why are you so uh, full of yourself? You are an undisciplined amateur. And uh, meanwhile, Sokka here is a growing warrior. I mean, he has a ways to go, but he is on the path and only getting stronger every day. Sokka, it's it's amazing. Every time there's any military related anything and Sokka's involved he is he immediately moves to the head of the class whenever he has an opportunity in any in in every respect I mean here again his knowledge is to him it's it's a joke um how outdated this is because of all the encounters he's had and it's it's you know I, I think that he maybe takes for granted how unique it is but I think everybody else watching takes advantage or takes for granted what Sokka and Team Avatar have had to endure on this on this journey, um, and the fact that he knows Zhao by name because he's had to encounter him yeah. is crazy. Um, and also, just the value that he brings, huh. his it's, knowledge it's, is great. It's invaluable. <laughs> That's how mm. valuable it is. Um, yes, he. Uh, I mean, dude. It, fine. He may only have like three months experience here but the uh uh three months being in the avatars gang is extremely valuable and uh it's actually surprising that he is not uh given a more powerful position from the start yeah or at least at this point where uh arnook's or i believe it's arnook uh yeah is able to see no he knows the uniform he knows it's not cho it's zhao okay get yeah. it right on <laughs> I think I, I think this is actually re reaffirming that the chief had this plan all along, mm. you know, by giving him the commitment thing because he's making sure that he can utilize Sokka's wisdom without necessarily having to risk losing Sokka, um, because he knows how important his mind is as well as his physical capabilities. So true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe he knows Han just won't listen to anything he's the uh han's like the zhao of uh the northern water tribe he's just not militaristic (laughs) yeah it's uh oh man and then in the end here of this paragraph 
you know, Aang's return, mm -hmm. I, he, we definitely only saw him take down like a couple, only right. a couple. Says a dozen. Um, but yeah. then he comes back and says a dozen. So does that mean that we just like we were seeing cuts of the battle or when he saw that huge fleet, he still bothered to stay and try to take out as many as he could because that's insane. Yeah. Um, uh, and he still took out a bunch, which is cool. I mean, it's a bunch, but it's only a dent. Uh, mm -hmm. There's still much, much more work to be done. As night approaches, Iroh advises Zhao to cease the attack as waterbenders draw strength from the moon, which is nearing its full phase. Zhao states that he is aware of the problem and that he is working on a solution, but he agrees in the meantime to halt the attack until morning. Deep in the hold of Zhao's ship, Zuko has removed his Fire Nation uniform and is preparing for a solo journey into Water Tribe City to capture the Avatar. Iroh expresses his concern for Zuko, saying that he only nags Zuko because since the loss of his own son, he sees Zuko as his own. Touched, Zuko acknowledges his uncle's statement and says he will meet Iroh again after he has the Avatar. Um, all right, just... Uh, Let's, let's start with this, uh, you know, fact that maybe was implied, but is really spelled out here. Waterbenders draw power from the moon. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's not just that they, uh, you know, these are their spirits and they have some, you know, significant impact on the, the, spirit, the culture overall, but uh, it's, it's a strong enough difference to pause an attack from a fire nation that is outnumbered you know out uh flanked out whatever you want to call it yeah yeah outflanking um flanking, yeah it's it's yeah i i wonder if they're a distant relative or descendant of the moonanites mm. um mm, the moonanites. There's, okay there's a crossover yeah um uh, i'd watch that <laughs> I, I i i also noticed yeah he clearly they draw power from the moon and clearly zhao in his mind has something planned with the moon um Notice he calls it the moon problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that he has a solution. And that he has a solution, mm -hmm. or is working on one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Iroh, again, he's just, mm -hmm. he's just trying to play, not, not devil's advocate, but he's, you know, he, again, just like, like Saki, he has this breadth of knowledge, and he's yeah. going to share with people to make sure that it's... <sighs> I, uh, I, I mean, listen, it, it certainly serves a dual purpose, uh, Iroh bringing this to Zhao's attention. It is, uh -huh. of course, to the benefit of Zhao, but it is very much to the benefit of Zuko as well. Because, uh -huh. uh, uh, listen, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to know what percentage of Iroh was uh, pushing one intent versus the other. I really think uh, it was primarily to, for, to further Zuko's interests. Because, uh, okay, we've known it all along, but uh, to have this touching moments where Iroh finally says I think of you as one of my own is uh it's it's incredible and it's it's really it's uh it's been there in the way he's uh approached him and his training and uh you know he's not his parenting whether or not you want to consider it what he's been doing to him or not but uh Zuko had uh no love from his own father I mean he's really just uh a victim of his father's abuse and I don't know if it's you'd call it Stockholm syndrome but on this uh you know twisted uh quest to redeem his honor yeah and and and, and, and Iroh really has been that father figure for him and seeing him get emotional you know it's hard not to ourselves I mean he's uh again this this is definitely bringing back a lot of his um emotions from his last major military presence over at Ba Sing Se. Oh, yeah. um, and it's, it's, they're, they're making the implicit explicit here. You know, he's, he's laying it out for, for Zuko that he lost his son and, and he's kind of, you know, Zuko's, he really considers him his son. And, and uh, it's a, it's a good moment. And, you know, he's just, he, he, all, he may be a little angry and, and, and disagree with Zuko, but he's always looking out for the, his best interests. Um, and, you know, he, you could see that there's some genuine worry that this is kind of where they're going to part ways. And, you know, Iroh's not really going to be able to help him 
once he leaves, once he goes in there, he's on his own and can only hope for the best. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, uh, this is a father saying goodbye to his child for what might be the last time. Uh, and, uh, it's just, it's beautiful. The, 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 the fact that the, they capture the emotion that they can, uh, truly, uh, see the complexity of, a dysfunctional family still clinging to love and uh, a sense uh-huh. of togetherness. It's, it's absolutely oh, beautiful. Uh, elsewhere in the Water Tribes barracks, uh, Han arrogantly explains to Sokka the perks of marrying Yue. What a douche. Uh, which, yeah. what, which, what, which only serves to anger Sokka, of course, and me as well. Uh, it further oh. insults him by insinuating that he lacks the ability to understand the Northern Water Tribe's way of functioning. Enraged, Sokka attacks Han, calling him a jerk without a soul. They fight until Chief Arnuk pulls them apart and Sokka is promptly removed from the mission. All right, well, uh, oh. yeah. Um, the mere fact that, uh, okay, Han can't even appreciate Yue. Like, like he's, he's, he says he, she comes, he's in it for the perks. He's not even interested in this it's, incredible woman. John, uh, I mean, Han's straight out of an 80s <laughs> high school movie. Oh, he's, just, know, he, he's just a, a spoiled jock. You know, he reminds me of this um, character from uh, a South Park in Aspen. It's like, Stan Dorsch. Oh, 100% yeah. him. And, uh, I'm just going to do everything. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Have, did you ever watch, um, have you seen The Amazing World of Gumball? No, I can't say. Uh, there's an episode where they play tennis against these preppy kids. And it's, mm. it's really, really funny. Oh, um, my God. They all wear multiple sweaters over around their necks. It's, it's great. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, when the chief pulls apart soccer. for uh, another mission, uh, have we found out what the mission is yet? No, not yet. Not yet. More on that later. Elsewhere, Zuko maneuvers his kayak to the shores of the ice cap near the base of the Water Tribe outer wall. There he notices turtle seals diving into an opening in the ice. Knowing the creatures must come out for air somewhere, Zuko takes a deep dive and dives in after them. He manages to breathe, uh, no, to find an underground cave, which serves as the turtle seal's air pocket. He uses his breath of fire technique to ward off the chilling effects of the water and begins to work his way up an opening with water rushing through. Okay. Um, I, uh, I mean, I think the action speaks for itself here. Uh, yeah. But the, uh, the fact of just like so much happening that they're cutting back and forth, you got the, uh, the training, the Aang, the Zuko, the ship of uh, Iroh and Zhao. It's uh, the pace of this episode is really impressive. It's uh, it's it's part of a finale. It's you know it's this how they roll. Love it. Yeah. Um, I, I like here too. You know, you are seeing kind of the pros and cons for, for of, of Zuko's mm. strategy technique um, that he does tend to like. He told his uncle earlier work on a plan and he's always working on it. He's never quite has it all together entirely before he goes in. It seems like yeah. he has a general sense and then he improvises a lot. And we do see that he's quite capable, you know, oh, yeah. at least reaching the objective. His, his issue has always been what to do after that. The follow um, through, yeah. But, you know, even this one, it's, it is a little worrying. He starts going up this thing and this is not an easy trek here. <laughs> These waters are freezing cold uh, and He's climbing you know, Everest. I mean, he's, it's, it's <laughs> wild. Yeah. Uh, and he's not really, you know, able to carry a pack and all this uh, equipment that might help him either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. As the uh, nearly full moon hangs in the s- night sky, Yue tells Aang and Katara that the moon taught waterbending to the people of the water tribes as they observed its push and pull on the ocean. Hit with a sudden burst of inspiration, Aang realizes that the spirits might be able to help him save the Water Tribe. Yue leads them to the most spiritual place in the North Pole, the Spirit Oasis, a verdant garden surrounded on all sides by towering walls of ice. Aang is ecstatic to see grass again, and Katara is amazed by the warmness of the air. Aang, sensing the tranquility of the oasis, begins to meditate at the base of the oasis pool, which contains a black and white koi fish encircling each other. Elsewhere, as Sokka sharpens the boomerang in the now-empty barracks, Chief Arnuk approaches him and clarifies. He removes Sokka from the mission in hopes that he would accept 
the uh, mission to guard Princess Yue. Sokka humbly agrees to do so. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, I think it's really, really great that uh, Yue brings the spirits into Aang's mind. And I, Aang hasn't really uh, dabbled in the spirit world yet. He doesn't know how to uh, fully draw on the benefits of it. You know, it's funny for, for such a spiritual tribe um, with so many rituals, we haven't really met that many spiritual characters. You know, I guess we, we could consider the healing tent as being spiritual, right. but, um, you know, finally here we're seeing Yue, and this is what I was discussing kind of earlier, kind of her, her arc transitioning, um, and this, this new focus for her um, in terms of being not just a princess, but this, you know, spiritual being knowledge of you know being knowledgeable of all these things and, and, and educating our characters on this um, and then hearing about how the moon it's not just some science but it literally taught the water benders how or the the, the water tribe how to water bend yeah. um, and all I can think of is a professor moon and wondering given that that episode I believe came out after this show did if it's just a crazy connection I'm making, or if Doctor Who and Stephen Moffat are fans of this show and use mm. Professor Moon based on <laughs> Professor Waterbender. It's, uh, uh, probably not, but that would be fun. Yeah, certainly the moon's uh, push and pull on the ocean. It's, it's really an amazing thing. Uh, I mean, just a yeah. phenomenon in nature, whether or not you uh, build a civilization around it. Uh, and I love that this civilization has made a point of preserving its holiest places. Uh, mm -hmm. It is the most spiritual place in the North Pole, so spiritual that it can produce grass and warmth. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's unbelievable. No wonder Aang finds tranquility here. It's, it's a magical, magical place. It's really, really well done. Um, the animation is, is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, we should uh, point out that... Uh, whether or not this is, uh, I mean, kind of as Aang is nodding off, transitioning or uh, finding the spiritual state, uh, he, uh, the black and white koi fish encircle each other. And uh, no, I, I am being told that it's not yet. So more, more on that soon. Uh, but I can uh, tell you the, uh, the tranquility is there and there's more tranquility to come. Uh, <laughs> there will be no tranquility for Sokka who has to battle the... Uh, complex conflict of emotion of both uh, stepping up to the warrior's challenge and also hiding his feelings for Yue. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's a professional, unlike Han. So uh, he's mm -hmm. going to do it. Uh, and he's excited to do so. Yes. We find Zuko back on his daring mission. He ascends into an air pocket in the freezing water and catches his breath. He spots another passage up under the water and heads through, but is met with an ice barrier. Using his firebending, Zuko melts the ice and breaks through into a passage within the city. There he stops for a moment to rest. As Aang tries to meditate into the spirit world, Katara and Yue's conversation distract him. But after he shouts at them to be quiet, they comply. Aang focuses on the koi fish, and he finally enters the spirit world after noticing the similarity of the two fish to the yin and yang. Upon seeing Aang's eyes and tattoos glow, Yue asks Katara if they should get some help. But Katara says she can protect Aang. At that moment, Zuko makes his presence known. Yue leaves to get help as Katara and Zuko duel. Zuko realizes Katara's skill level has greatly advanced from earlier encounters, and he's eventually encased in ice. However, as the sun rises, Zuko's firebending strength increases, and he manages to melt his way out of Katara's trap and overpowers her, rendering her unconscious by throwing her against a gate post with a fire blast. Standing over the motionless form, he notes that while she rises with the moon, he draws strength from the sun before taking Aang's body and escaping from the oasis. Whoa boy, whoa boy, whoa boy. So, um, uh -huh. just, uh, this is such a daring mission of Zuko. I was so, just like, impressed. Uh, you know, you're, you're underwater. You're under frigid tundra, arctic waters, and you're able to firebend through a sheet of ice. Uh, 
unbelievable strength. It's 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 unreal. Yeah, he uses his hands and like heats them up and melts the ice. It's wild, but just as impressive as how, I mean, the the idea that he did this all, this struggle just to get there, and then as soon as he gets there, he rests for what a minute, and then he somehow goes and finds the oasis and starts fighting. I mean, I, I, it's amazing to me that he didn't take more time, but it also shows his lack of awareness. You know, why bother waiting to go in now? Um, yeah. Cause it's the night. But I'm also wondering here, like how long, you know, is it that late at night already that he gets there? They fight for a little bit. He freezes. It doesn't seem like Aang's in the spirit world for that long before the battle, you know, and then him waking up and taking it. So I, I did wonder that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, another thing I got to wonder, how did Zuko navigate this city that I imagine he's going to for the very first time? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he knew exactly where the Avatar was. He didn't need to be told to, that the, uh, he knew a spiritual oasis existed and that Aang would be there. Uh, I mean, Aang didn't even know about this uh, oasis until Yue mentioned it. Somehow, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe his uh, instincts hunting the Avatar all this time have really, uh, I don't know, given him a, a sixth sense. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. regardless, Katara, seeing her battle at night here was pretty cool under a full moon. Her power and her strength mm-hmm. um, is really impressive. And then, as you were saying earlier, you know, that, uh, or started to, um, the koi fish spinning around oh. and looking like a yin and yang is really, really, is a great transition. It's such um, a good, uh, you know, like the audience meditates for a moment there as they just watch these two encircling fish become the uh, symbol of balance and tranquility, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Aang needs right now. Uh, it, it, it's incredible to experience and as a, a visual metaphor too. Uh, all right, one thing I want to point out, this battle between Katara and Zuko uh, was pretty epic. Uh, I mean, here, uh, both of them are at their peak right now. Like, uh, obviously, oh, yeah. um, well, okay, they're at peak thus far, but uh, they've, been, they've both matured and evolved yeah. and cultivated a lot of skills in mm-hmm. their respective bending areas. Um, so, I, yeah, shout out to that. One thing I want to mention, um, Okay, let's talk about uh, classism in the Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, so we got a little hint of it earlier when Han's like, uh, hey, you're just some rube from the Water Tribe, referring mm-hmm. to Sokka. Here Zuko straight up says, you little peasant. You mm-hmm. found yourself a master, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so th- despite all the uh, positive qu- qualities and traits that some of these characters have, uh, the civilization is uh it's fraught it, it's it's clearly uh you know it, it's it's mm-hmm. not just the fascism it's the it, it's hard Class, to say racism but classism yeah. very yeah. very much at play here absolutely um very much at play and you can see there's an almost bitter uh right it's not just i'm being to, to beat i'm being beat by a peasant <laughs> yeah yeah i mean just the fact that like he thinks that it's almost like he assumes that somebody like like Katara would never be able to come close to his level of bending mm-hmm. because she'll never have the advantages he does because of where he you know because of his place and and his status um and and almost like upset by it you know like that's not almost thinking it's unfair that she gets to find a master and, and learn from him yeah uh, i mean this uh it it seems that the benders have forgotten the importance of what it is to be humble and just uh, you, you need to get, get a master like Iroh, not like Ozai. That is the uh, <laughs> if there are firebenders out there listening. Uh, yeah. You will go much, much farther. Um, okay. It's, uh, it's daybreak. You rise with the moon. I rise with the sun. Uh, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, shock Zuko had by uh, the fact that Katara has a master and is being further bolstered by the uh, moon is gone by daybreak. Uh, yeah. It's really uh, Fast. unbelievable. 
how quickly the uh, he, he's able to burn him, not you know, flame bend out of this iceberg, <laughs> fire bend out of the iceberg. Yeah. I, I again, I, that, that's why I'm wondering about the timing because if Sokka or if Katara knows enough that her power rises with the moon, surely you should also know that it sets a little bit with the sun. The opposite um, is true, yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna want backup for when that happens. Yeah, well, um, uh, I think UA went to get some backup, but it was a little too little too late. Yeah, it took uh, a while. Yep, Zuko uh, kidnaps Aang's body while his uh, <sighs> mind and soul are very much still in the spirit world. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, so that's dun, a rough, dun, dun. rough morning to wake up to. Uh, in the meantime, Fire Nation ships break through the Water Tribe's outer wall, and soldiers rush through the breaches to attack. Back on the command ship, Xiao states the city will fall today, despite any efforts to fight off the inevitable. Katara regains consciousness and discovers that Aang is gone. Sokka and Yue arrive on Appa, and the distressed Katara tells them that Zuko took Aang as they worry, or rather wonder and worry, where they might have gone. Zuko treks across the polar ice surrounding the city, carrying a limp Aang, still in the spirit world, over his shoulder, into a biting gale as snow flutters into an ominous gray sky. Done. 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 Oh my god, that drum beat at the end was uh Yeah. Dude, I mean ominous AF. Uh let's just start with the daybreak. Uh Zhao straight up still on his uh you know <laughs> he said we're gonna write rewrite history today, and then today he's like, let's write history. Uh it's really unbelievable. Uh and it's really uh a shame. Katara couldn't continue to outbend Zuko because, uh, oh boy, it's, uh, it's going to be tough getting Aang back. I, uh, it's going to be very tough getting Aang back. It's going to be even harder just finding him. Um, but again, we see Zuko, you know, you need a plan. You only plan as far as getting Aang. You don't seem to care about what to do once you have him. I don't so know why he thinks just escaping to an endless snowy arctic tundra mm -hmm. is a great escape plan it's not like you have you know air support coming in on radio as soon as you're <laughs> in a spot to be picked up yeah. i don't uh, i think uh it's it's true man and it's it's definitely a problem that he's not really uh solved and you know we saw it with the blue spirit and elsewhere in this uh season however in this instance the fact that Zhao's attacking today uh i mean it's kind of his last shot to uh capture ang like like man even if his plan is to reverse back kayak you know and somehow yeah. get a better ship uh it's true it's like you got to take your last shot uh whether, whether it's a good one or not whether you have a plan to uh take a limp ang somewhere or you're well, just of course i mean off. yeah my my thinking is is more that like yes he you of course he has this this time rush um, because he's got to get there before Zhao, but if we're saying that it took at least a week or so to travel there and he's been in the bells of Zhao's ship, I mean that whole time he was developing a plan to just mm -hmm. try to sneak in under yeah. like underwater. I yeah. mean that's great, but that you you only really did half your plan. Yeah. What a lot of guards. Hmm? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. There is uh there is no escape plan. There is no exit strategy. It's a rock yeah. two thousand three. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well we'll, we'll okay. Uh, enough on that. Um the yeah, there, I mean there is none. You can't really uh as difficult as it is to swim in the polar waters of the northern water tribes, it's even harder with a limp ang on your back. So yeah. not sure what uh, he had planned there. Um, but just, okay, this overarching sense of ominousity. I don't know if that's a word, but the ominous feeling. Uh, uh -huh. <laughs> it's, it's like almost dead silent. We see Zuko carrying Aang on his back. We hear only this desolate whistle of a, a snowstorm. And it's gray. It's sooty snow. It's got some ash in there. And it's just this ominous drumbeat of... Duh. 
I don't uh, know if you're marching to your death or to glory. It's just uh, marching into the unknown. Very much. Uh, you know, and, and it all comes following Zhao's declaration that the Northern Water Tribe will fall today. I mean, clearly he has something else besides just this invasion planned. Yeah. Um, and whatever it is, sounds like it's going to be real bad. Indeed. Uh, the fact of the matter is uh, we're going to have to wait to find out because it's a two-parter. It's not the finale. Uh, we will have to watch another episode and uh, looking forward to wrapping up this wonderful season. We've really come a long way since the Southern uh, Water Tribe. And uh, my God, what a journey it's been. I can't wait to see how it finishes up in the, uh, the last one. Um, okay. Final, I mean, we're not at final thoughts, but any, anything else from this episode you want to kind of mention before we bring it to an end? You know, it's just, um, it moves, again, like the last episode. There's a lot going on, and it still moves so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really impressive. You know, you have an entire, you have, I, I can't even count the subplots this time. Again, again, like last time, and going through this episode, and they're all just threading into each other, and it's really wonderful. Um, Spectacular. and you have a cliffhanger in every single one of them. I know, truly. And not, nothing's forced. Nothing is controlled. No. Uh, every um, detail is thought out. Yeah. I, I'm just, I, I'm so excited for this next episode. It is personally outside of the series finale, maybe the most impressive episode of, of the whole series. Oh, yeah. I, it's just so cool and I can't wait. And it's, uh, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, Un- unbelievable. Um, yeah, just a couple things. The uh, okay, I think we mentioned this earlier, but the uh, just just the, the the show's continuity is incredible here. That you mentioned the way the waterbenders hoisted up that ship is something we saw, like I think in the very first episode, poison a boy in the iceberg, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this mark of Sokka, the warrior mark. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, is the same mark Bato gave him after his uh, coming of age ritual. So I have I, to check that. I'm not yeah, sure. I uh, so I'm here it's here it's the commitment mark. Yeah, uh, we are gonna we'll do a little research, but uh, feel free to chime in in the comments if you're uh, what what with your thoughts. Uh, just unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, I think it's a phenomenal show. I think it's it's just wonderful. I think the uh, just ugh, I, I I can't wait to talk about the final episode. It's it's all the dialogue, all the uh, you know amazing just, details here are all coming together. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, it's exciting, and uh, can't wait to see it happen. Yeah. I, I just read another theory about Chief Arnook, but I'll save it for the next episode because it's a doozy. All right. Let's, uh, man, lots to talk about. And then oh, yeah. lots to talk about today. Uh, with that, we are wrapping up another episode of the Boys in the Iceberg. Woo-hoo. Oh, my God. It's been such a journey. We uh, thank you for listening. Please like, follow, subscribe, comment, tweet. I don't know what you can do, but we are so happy to interact with fans and, uh, you know, Tune into the finale because I, I know and you know that it is going to be a good one. Um, final thoughts, Jeff? Oh, look out, folks. Here we go. It's on. Yeah. It's on uh, and unbelievable. The, uh, it's the Fire Nation, and they've closed it on the North Pole. The time has come. Let's do it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, With that, we wrap up another episode of The Boys in the Iceberg. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe. Follow. Good night. Same yo, Hotman.